0: Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info.
1: For every veteran, there is a story, a story about a calling to serve, to fight for the freedoms of the American people, and every story has a struggle, a sacrifice, and invisible wounds. Warrior Watch programs help veterans recover from PTSD and invisible wounds through exercise, nutrition, and connecting with other veteran leaders. It is estimated that 22 veterans die each day by suicide and another 30 veterans die each day by substance abuse. These are preventable deaths. Warrior Watt is committed to fighting PTSD through fitness, nutrition, and community. opportunity to support our heroes in their time of need. Will you join us and take action? All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with the Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they, too, can get into the business. Coaches. We love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you are a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star Family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfignage. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle, or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe, and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Misfit Nation. We are home finally after two weeks on the road. Uh, Like I said, last Thursday was our last on the road uh, chat for this year. Uh, we'll be home based uh, for the rest of our chats. Uh, yesterday, uh, of course, we are live from Clarksville, Tennessee. Yesterday, our city was hit by strong storms, and at least uh, an EF three tornado hit us. We lost three in our community and three in Davidson County to our east. Uh, two of those, uh, two of those six, were children. Uh, so prayers to those families that uh, lost uh, loved ones. There were over ninety structures uh, completely just destroyed, and hundreds of others damaged as this uh, 600 yard wide 150 mile per hour monster rolled through here. There are hundreds of families in need and donations to sites are set up around the area. We are aligned with uh YIPAC. It's a, you are important, uh, P-A-K-Y-A-I-P-A-K as they are providing much needed, uh, resources to the area. They are, uh, giving every supply that's needed to those who are in need, and, of course, helping out those who are helping those uh, who are actually hurt the most in the area. They have a link on their Facebook page for their Amazon site where you can donate directly to them. So if you search uh, YAIPAK on Facebook, and uh, you'll see on their their feed uh, the Amazon link where you can order, and things will get delivered directly to them so they can distribute them to the people who need them most within the area. Also, uh, don't be if you are a person that is affected or know someone that is affected by the storm, reach out to the Tennessee River Chapter of the Red Cross and have them help you out. Don't try to do this on your own. Uh, if you need help or if you're uh, reaching out to these resources, uh, go through our socials or reach us uh, through our email at misfitnationpodcast at gmail.com. That's misfitnationpodcast at gmail.com. Don't try to do this alone. There's no reason to do this alone. There's plenty of resources out there to help you with this. So uh, don't be a hero and uh, try to help. Uh, try to get as much help as you can as you go through this uh, time of need. The IPAC's website is going across the bottom of the screen right now if you're on video. If you're listening this on a podcast app, I'll have this in the notes as well. So with all that said, uh, I know I just brought you all down a little bit again. I, I do tend to do that a lot, but we have a great guest. He's coming to us live uh, from the Pacific Ocean. Uh, he's uh, on a small island, is a, a very tiny island, a remote island. He's he's an expert at using artificial intelligence tools to accelerate your online business. He's the best-selling author of Chat GPT Profits. Has a mailing list of over 100k. He has over 250 episodes as a podcast host. He has been running an online business full time since February of 2010, and is an expert at using Chat GPT. Mid journey, Claude and Leonardo to grow your online business. So, without further ado, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation best selling author, Jonathan Green. Welcome, Jonathan.
0: Hey, thank you for having
1: me. It's awesome to have you here. And of course, it's great to connect with someone that's basically in tomorrow right now. Uh, you're in the future talking to us. So, it's another one of those crazy Star Trek things for us here at Twilight Zone. So, thanks for coming on, Jonathan. And if you don't mind, I just gave basically a three sentence thing about you here. Tell us a little more about you from as far back as you want to go to how we got here.
0: Yeah. I always dabbled in entrepreneurship without realizing it because we're always turned thought in school, Oh, that's for someone else. Inventing this for someone else. There's never, Oh, you can do it. We always basically, when I went through school was always, do good in kindergarten, you can get to a good grammar school. Do good in grammar school, you can get to a good high school. Do good in high school, you can get to a good college. Do good in college, you can get to a good graduate degree. Good, good in graduate degree, then you can get an entry-level position. And for those of us who went that route, right, as soon as you get out of college, the first thing that happens is they say, well, you need three to five years of experience for an entry-level position. It's like, well, that's not what entry means. <laughs> How can I start if I have to also have experience? And when I went to my universities, like, office saying, Oh, you guys will help me get a job. Right. They're like, yeah, here's a link to monster.com. And that was just like a job listing website. I was like, I already knew about that. I saw their commercials three years ago. Why am I here? And one of the big tricks of colleges is that they all cook the books. What they do is they say how many of their graduates are employed, but they don't say employed based on their degree. So if you graduate high school and you go work at McDonald's or college and work at McDonald's, they'll still count you as a success. Same thing that a lot of people go to law school, find out how many of those people are actually lawyers, not as many as you think. So it really kind of left me disillusioned. And I just had to kind of find my own path for the next 10 years. I ended up in education, teaching around the world, just doing a lot of experimenting until I thought I had my dream job. I was teaching at a top 20 university and I hated it. When you work for a large organization and, government, military, universities, it's all the same. It turned, you think everyone's there because they want to like give the students the best experience possible. There's no people there. They're like, no, I just want to get a promotion or I just want to cruise through. And there's a lot of internal politicking and I hated it so much. I was like, this is my dream job. And I wish my dream had never come true. So they fired me. It was the best thing that ever happened. And as I was driving home, I said to myself, I don't want anyone to ever be able to yell at me or fire me ever again. I don't know why as adults, we give other people power over us. And I'm never doing that again. So that's why, you know, when I say serve, no master, that's what that's the moment where it came from. I was like, why would I put myself in a position where another adult can talk down to me or shout to me? So that was kind of my core motivation for starting my own business was to never be in that situation again, where someone could take away my ability to pay for my kid's food or education or the roof over our house. I wanted to have total control of my destiny.
1: That's outstanding. And uh, it's a good feeling, I bet, when you stepped away from, the, I guess, the shackles of corporate life or uh, industry, industry life in the education world to say, hey, I can breathe now and do this on my
0: own. Yeah, it's, you know, there's this, you know, they talk about it like when you're a high level athlete or anything and you're. You're the one on stage you're the one performing and it's all you you know you see these ufc fighters either they once they're in the ring either they win or they lose and that's the same feeling you has of an entrepreneur like if i don't have money this month it's my fault and if i have money this month it's my fault so you're flying without a trapeze you're on the trapeze without a net it's all you you have a lot of risk but also a lot of reward when you work for a boss and you go in and ask for a raise you can say hey boss can i get a cost of living increase or can i get an extra 25 cents an hour when you work for yourself, you can just go, you know what? I think I deserve twice as much. I'm just going to double my rates. Now, instead of $25, I charge 50 Now, instead of 50 I charge 100 And nobody blinks because they don't know, like your boss does, what you used to charge, right? And it's amazing how sometimes you can raise the price. You go, no one's going to pay this. And more people than before bought it. I've gone through experiences where I was charging one price, I doubled the price, and the sales went up from people, even the people that knew the old price because they thought the old price was too low so they didn't trust it. Like nobody would take a $100 Ferrari. You're going to assume it's a trick, right? The price is too low. You actually don't buy it because you think there's something missing here. You go, no, this price is too low. This has to be a trick. So that pulls actually pushes us back.
1: Definitely does. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs fall into that trap that they think they're charging too much for something or they don't uh, value their actual time or their, their actual value of themselves before they put a price out there. So it hurts them in the long run. Once you learn that value, it kind of helps you a lot.
0: One of the first lessons I learned from a mentor way back in 2010, he goes, most people, when they start their own business, make exactly the same amount of money as they did their last year working for someone else. And when he said that to me, I said, oh my gosh, I'm doing that. Because that's what you think you're worth. So if you're making $36,000 a year, working for someone else the next year, you're going to make $36,000 that next year because you go, that's what I'm worth. So if I make $3,000 in a month, that's my, I've made what I'm supposed to make for this month. I can take the rest of the month off or you stop working as hard. You lose the hunger. Whereas someone who made a hundred thousand dollars the year before hits that three and they're like, well, I still got to get another seven because their hunger level is set differently. So a lot of people, we let someone else determine our value. And the last person you should let determine your value is your previous employer. Because no matter where you work, what your position was, I guarantee you they were paying you less than your worth because that's how companies stay profitable. If they paid every employee exactly the amount of revenue they generated, they'd be at break even. No company does that, right? The owner wants to make their money. So they pay you as little as they can get away with that you'll stay there and work hard, but not so low that you'll quit. Like that's the game that they're playing. So you see this every time someone goes from government to private work, right? What happens? People offer you twice as much money for the same work. As a consultant or an outside contractor, that tells you that they were underpaying you the whole time,
1: right? And that's a that's a very a great way to put it. That a government a consulting and it's a big difference and a a lot more freedom once you get once you get away from that uh, government handcuff. I believe is a good word a way to say that. So, what made you write the book and what got you so interested in AI?
0: Yeah, I've been writing books for 10 years. It's really how I had a lot of success. I've written all these books and other topics. And I was like, I'm done writing. I don't want to write any more books. And then I read a couple of books on ChatGPT that were just bad. They were clearly written by AI, they had a lot of bad information in them. And I said, you know, this isn't cool to me. I have a real problem with people that put out products that don't work. Like, I don't care what you charge, I don't care what you teach, as long as it works. And so I saw these two books that were selling like hotcakes. Like, these books don't even work. So I'm going to buy this book, try AI. It's not going to work. And they go, oh, I guess AI is a fad. And then that person's going to get hurt by this book. And so I wrote a book. I was like, I want to write a book that works. I'm only going to put in things I've actually done. So I just went back through my previous chats because I save all of them. And I only used prompts that made me money. I was like, if it didn't make me money, it's not going in the book. So I only put in pure information, real conversation. So when you look at some of my prompts, you'll see I misspelled a word here. I didn't capitalize this there. I left that in the book for the authenticity. You can see exactly when I'm talking, exactly when I'm talking to the computer, exactly when the AI is talking to me. So it's really designed to be the instruction manual that I wish everyone had that just gives you that baseline of, here's all the things an AI can do. Choose the ones that interest you. Jump to those chapters. Copy and paste my exact prompts. You can see what result you're supposed to get. And now you've got that instruction manual that like we wish these tools came with.
1: And a lot of people just fear AI just based off what the news tells them, the news tells them, or movies, science fiction movies tell tell you uh, AI is the doom of you. It's gonna it'll take you over. It's gonna run the world. And then there's guys like you were successful. I had a uh, Manu Jagrupal on here about a, two months ago, and he was a, a big performer for AI. And now you as well use a Chat GPT and other sources to show how much AI can actually help you if it's used for the right reasons. How do you go? go about getting that fear out of people when you if you get to talk to someone live
0: most important thing to understand is that none of these tools are actually AIs that's a marketing lie an AI is a system that can self-learn none of these systems have that ability they're not even close what you really have is a predictor the way these AIs AIs are programmed is that they're actually very smart magic eight balls so what it does when it's writing an answer it guesses the next word And then it spins the ball and guesses the most likely next word after that. So it's actually predicting one word at a time, what the most likely response you're seeking is. That's all that it's doing. So it takes every conversation everyone's around and goes, I think this is most likely what you want to hear me say based on past data. That's not learning, right? That's using a database and guessing based on word frequency. So before you think of it, that's tricky. Now, when they talk about AGI, or small and weak AI, that's something different. That's where it has these abilities to self-learn. Weak AI is limited self-learn. Strong AI is it might become our overlord. So it's a separate type of tool. Now, they are doing research into these tools, but that's how we're dealing with right now, okay? What we're dealing with right now is simply low-level predictive algorithms, right? The real difference between... a Existing computer program in this current generation of AIs is the ability for you to make a mistake in what you're asking for and for it still to give you the correct input. For example, when I started using computers in the 1980s, it was just a command line interface, right? If you wanted to change directories, you had to do type cd space slash and the correct name of the directory. If you got one letter wrong, it would go, no such directory exists, right? There's no margin for error. If you did a capital letter, when was supposed to be lowercase. It wouldn't know what you're doing. Even now, on some of my programs, if I write the word friend and I mix up the E and I, it goes, we don't know what this word is. What were you trying to say here? It can't figure out that I just transposed two letters. With an AI, you can have a higher degree of misspellings. You can kind of roughly say what you want, and it's more likely to give you the right answer. So all it gives you is a broader ability to put in incorrect data. That's the really big benefit compared to previous tools. So it kind of bypasses the old garbage in, garbage out problem of computers. If you give the computer bad information, it gives you bad results you can bypass that with a conversation with an AI. So that's really the difference. The idea that it's like super smart and learning, I can tell you, ChatGPT still gives you some real dummy answers, okay? And they just, last week, Google released their new AI. And guess what? It turns out they, let's just say they edited the video to make it look really good. And people caught them within two days. So if Google still has to adjust okay. their videos to how smart their AI is, we don't really have to worry about that. And the other thing is, listen, if some super company puts out a super computer that's super smart, there's nothing I can do about that, right? There's nothing regular people can do because these big multi-billion dollar and trillion dollar companies are creating their AIs. So you can't worry about something you can't control. Those are the two things that I would say. Awesome.
1: And how did uh, did you just fall into chat GPT or did you try other things first that just were not working? And then chat GPT came around and you're like, that's the one, that's the one that's actually working best.
0: Yeah. There was a revolutionary change in tech with chat GPT 3.5, which came out just a year ago. And that shift was it finally the output was good enough to share. So I would, all the AI tools I was using, they would put out output that was like a rough draft and nothing better. With ChatGPT, I could actually generate content. I was like, oh, I would put this in a tweet. I'll put this in a blog post. It can sound close enough. And it's continued to get better, and other AI tools are getting to get better. So now it's crossed that Rubicon of, okay, you can publish this, and people won't immediately think this is AI when you do it right. Awesome.
1: Why should uh, you as an entrepreneur, we were talking about entrepreneurship earlier, and a lot of our listeners are veteran entrepreneurs, uh, veterans that have started their own businesses, Why should they start using AI tools?
0: There's two reasons. The first reason is that it will massively cut your overhead. So it's a lot easier to save a dollar than it is to make a dollar. So in the past year, my overhead has gone down about 60% and it's going to go down another 20% by the end of the month because I've switched to AI and automation tools. So one of the things that OpenAI has done is they give you unlimited access to the paid version of their AI for $20 a month. And that's a great deal. However, there are open source AIs that are almost as powerful that are completely free. So there's actually this massive downward pressure on what softwares can charge. A lot of software companies have had to drop their prices this year. So if you have any tool that you locked in a price last year, go back and see what they're charging now because they aren't telling people they've dropped their prices. They're just hoping you won't notice and keep paying the old price. So a lot of these tools that I had these big subscriptions on, I was like, I don't even need this anymore. A lot of employees have replaced with AI software that can do the same job faster all I'm doing is management anyways. So that's the first thing, is that it saves you so much money, replaces a lot of the other tools you're using, and it's a lot higher accuracy, has a lot more room for mistakes, and you can kind of just shift into management instead of doing each task manually. The second thing is that it makes you faster. So a recent study found that people who use GPT and other AI tools are 40% faster and 18% higher quality. So you don't have a dip in quality. That means in three days, you could do five days of work. So if you're an entrepreneur, you have limited amount of time, You're working your day job, you come over, you got two hours to work on your business. AI will give you three hours or four hours of effectiveness in that two hour window and get things done faster. I've experienced that. And so a lot of the people have read my books and gone through my trainings and that I've talked to. It means that you can keep running your business, spend more time with your family, more time with your kids. You don't have to spend much time grinding on the computer. So that speed. Gives you an advantage, especially because 90% of people are not using any AI tools right now. This idea that the market is flooded with AI users is a lie. It's not true. Most people have used ChatGPT one or less times. They tried it and they haven't used it again. And that's 86% of people or so in the most recent study. So it's not everyone using it. It's still the beginning of the AI revolution. The idea that we're like late or mid-phase is not true. right? The only people that are really using it are people like me. And like super nerds, like super computer programmer nerds, that's really all who's using it. It's not everyone else, right? You walk down the street, every business isn't using it. Every business wants it. But if you walk up to any business and say, oh, what AI tools are you using? They're going to go, none yet. We're waiting to see who wins. They want to see which tool kind of rises to the top. Like who's going to be the right platform to go with? Because we don't want to master a tool, then it goes out of business, right? We don't want to all sign up to disney plus or cnn plus and then they close and now we've got to switch to netflix right whatever that is so we're waiting for a winner and that is the mistake you don't need to do that what you need to do is jump in now ahead of all those people that are waiting for a winner because the winner is not going to be figured out for three or five years by then it's too late you need to know how to use these tools so as an entrepreneur if you're looking at let's say there's two people competing right one person is 40 percent faster well who's going to win that race So you are either going to have a massive advantage or a massive disadvantage. And the same thing, if you're still an employee working for a company, right now, companies are giving people raises just for having basic or moderate ChatGPT skills. They'll give you a raise as high as 50%. So there are people that are going from making $100,000 a year to $150,000 a year at a job just because they're the one person who learned ChatGPT first at their company. So it gives you this edge. And there's phases when a new technology is introduced. When I was in high school, I saw job listings and they would say the ability to use the internet, a plus. Like if you knew how to use open a web browser, they were like, that's a plus. If you could do email, that's a plus. Then it goes through these skills are required. They used to say like Microsoft Office Suite, a plus. Then it goes to Microsoft Office Suite required. Now, if you apply for a job, they don't say that. You walk into a job and go, I don't know how to use the internet. They're going to be shocked because it's gone from... All the way from, oh, it'd be a plus, to it's an expectation that's implicit, as in we don't even have to say it because we think you're gonna know how to do it. Right. So that's what will happen with AI. Right now, people are like, oh, it's optional. You know what's gonna happen in three to five years? You're gonna see jobs that say three to five years of experience with AI tools required. So this is your chance to get in. So even if you wait three years and go, I'm gonna learn it then, well, now how do you get those three years of experience? Right? Just like what I went through when I graduated college, there's three to five years of experience, which is impossible to get. There's no way to do it because nothing counts. You can't get hired unless you have experience. You can't experience unless you get hired. It's going to be the same catch-22 that's going to sweep a lot of people out of their jobs in a couple of years. So that's kind of why I'm ringing the bell and telling people, you have to jump on this now because I know your employers are going to use this as an excuse to squeeze you out in a couple of years. So jump in now before that happens. Definitely.
1: I had a guest uh, tell me, uh, because I'm going for my dissertation, uh, my PhD. I'm writing my dissertation, I mean, and she said, use chat GPT to check your work, to write your work, put it in there. It's still your work. It's just going to make it sound better. And I said, there's no way that will work. And I tried it and it actually made me sound a lot smarter as I wrote. So it was, it was actually a great bit of advice as I moved forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I added my entire book with chat. I added everything with it now because it never makes spelling mistakes. There makes grammatical mistakes. All of those things that slip through the cracks for us, those never happen with an AI tool because they're perfect. It never forgets a step in an order. So that ability to bring that in, the best place to use it in your business is anything that's repetitive. So anything you're doing over and over again, whether it's checking emails all the time or going through a spreadsheet, it will handle that task for you super fast. So a lot of tasks that used to take me a really long time take me minutes. You know, creating podcast show notes used to take me two hours. Now it takes me 30 seconds. Wow. So there's all these things that we don't think about, and I'm still guilty of this. Sometimes we're doing something like, "What am I doing? Why am I not using an AI? Why am I going to my old process?" Right. So this is why now I have less employees, less software, less overhead, and yet my business is growing faster than it's ever grown before, and more effective because I can do a lot more faster. And that's really where the magic is: is that it's not a replacement. Like the people that say, "ChatGPT, write me a blog post." They post that blog post. Those people are not going to win. Those people that are trying to replace themselves with an AI, that's not how it works. What you do is you push yourself from labor into management, even if you're a one-person operation. Because now you say, Chat you write the email, then you read it and edit it, right? You go into management, and go, let me check this. Let me read the blog post before it goes out. Let me do the tweaking. Instead of me drawing the picture, AI, draw the image. I'll decide if it's the right image. So you're kind of pushing yourself up into management, which means you can get more done because you have multiple AIs running at the same time. And then you can just make those decisions about which tools or which output is going out the door and which needs to be redone. So that's how you can immediately improve your productivity, improve your revenue and kind of take a little bit more control and also just like enjoy your work again. Because a lot of times we get stuck doing really repetitive or data entry style tasks and we can replace these processes that are the things we hate the most that we have to do every week and just make them super fast. Cause I'm always looking for how can I automate something? How can I do it in less time? How can I be more efficient? Because that's really what kind of separates the really successful entrepreneurs from those who just get stuck, is that you have to refresh your processes. And people who started after me tend to have more efficient processes. Because when I started out building websites and doing technology, a lot of the, the process for me to make a single web page that just says, here's my free book, put your email address, I'll send it to you. That would take me an entire day. Now, people hearing that are like, that's crazy. I have a tool that can do that in 20 or 30 minutes, right? So now there's these page builders and software tools and all sorts of easier ways to build websites that didn't exist when I started. So as technology gets easier, our efficiency and the barrier to entry goes down. There's no longer a, you have to be a native English speaker at barrier to entry. There's no longer you need any technical skills. You no longer need to do anything technical. I was programming something in Linux yesterday. I have no idea what that means. I just got copy and paste instructions from ChatGPT, And then I just did exactly what it said. And then it worked. So all of these skills we used to need, we don't need anymore. You just have to be the commander, not the operator.
1: Outstanding. And uh, you highlighted uh, one mistake. Uh, obviously, is letting Chat GPT do everything and and just taking for for granted what Chat GPT is spitting out is the gospel. That's one mistake. What's the biggest mistake most people use when using Chat GPT?
0: Yeah, so that is the biggest one, is not checking the work and just going, I'll have ChatGPT write it, I won't read it, and then I'll publish it under my name. What people who use the tools a lot know is ChatGPT has an accent. So you can tell when someone's native, like when someone grew up speaking Spanish and then they learn English, there's certain things they say, you go, oh, that person's native language is not English because they make the same mistakes. ChatGPT says certain things all the time, right? Like if you see blog posts it starts with in like in the something-something digital landscape, that's always GPT. People don't say that. If you see pondering, that's a ChatGPT phrase. And these are just some of them. There's about 30 or 40 that I've noticed. When I'm reading a blog post, I go, this is... Right? I Like I'm reading my LinkedIn feed. I go, AI, 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 because they're all copying and pasting and not noticing. Like, how often do you say, like, in the growing digital landscape? Never. That's not a human phrase. I've never told my wife, oh, just a minute. I'm pondering, right? So we... <laughs> have these phrases and it's an accent. It's the same thing as a foreign language accent, right? It's this giveaway. So that's the first mistake. The second mistake, which is more common is order command. Because of television, because of media, we're so used to tell the computer what to do, the computer obeys, right? Command, obey. ChatGPT's name is chat. So if you say, do this and you give it a bad command, it will do that because it's created to obey. It's a computer program, right? It's not an AI. Even if you've given it a bad command, it won't tell you because it's trained not to upset the user. So instead, what you want to do is switch and always start with a question. Here's the perfect structure. I call this the master prompt. This will change everything you do about AI. And this will change for every listener. Make it easy. You don't have to be a prompt engineer anymore. Chat GPT. Here's the goal I want to accomplish, period. What information do you need from me? Question mark. So I'll say, ChatGPT, I want to create show notes for my podcast, period. What information do you need from me? Or I will say, I want to figure out my ideal customer avatar, right? That's a hard question. I hate that question. It's so hard to answer. What information do you need from me? And here's what happens. It switches ChatGPT from obey mode into interrogative mode. It changes two restrictions. The two restrictions are it's not allowed to ask you questions. And it's, it always assumes there's never going to be a follow-up from you. So every time it answers a question, it's answering it thinking you will never speak to it again, right? That that's the only time we'll ever get an answer to answer this question. By removing those two restrictions, you activate the genius of the AI. Now you activate the smart part of its brain. It will tell you what information it needs, and it will keep asking you questions until it has what it needs, and then it will spit out an amazing answer. Suddenly, you don't have to give it the perfect command. You don't have to guess what information it needs. Because sometimes we say, oh, here's what I know about my audience create my customer avatar and you've given it the wrong data, right? Something's missing. That never happens again. So it removes the computer or the operator error component. And it just makes it easy. You don't have to be smart anymore. Like a prompt engineer, which I know I fall in that category, right? I'm a prompt expert. Fine. This is how I bypass that. I don't have to remember all my best prompts. I just say this and then chat people ask for the information it needs and then give me the answer that I want. This is how you get amazing results. And suddenly, you don't have to be smart anymore. You just have to know one prompt. Like That's why when I see people selling the collections of 500 prompts or 1,000 prompts, don't buy that stuff. That stuff is trash. This is the one prompt you need. You take this prompt, you literally never need to buy an else's collection again. Okay? This is the foundation of everything else I teach, right? I have a bunch of example prompts in my book that you can select from different categories. This will still massively accelerate what you can do in every area. Once you know it's possible, then you can add this prompt to that area.
1: Outstanding. A question in the audience is uh, they asked if you're trying to add SEO to uh, either a post, a discussion, or even your website, how would you add that prompt to chat GPT?
0: Sure. So let's say I have a blog post I'm trying to optimize. I have a blog post I want to optimize for this keyword. What information do you need from me? And it will do it. Now, SEO is probably going to go away within the next year. It's probably going to switch to AO, which is artificial optimization, which is like, "Oh, I want to rank for what artificial intelligences will pull up as databases." So there's going to be some shifting in the market, but the answer still remains the same. So to optimize and when I'm optimizing for SEO, I go through that same process, which is this is the keyword I want to optimize for, rewrite this article to optimize for that keyword, is another way to do it.
1: Awesome. I hope that answers the question in the audience. Uh thanks John for that question. Uh now, you're obviously running a remote business right now, and it's global, of course, because uh, you know, we're interconnected so easily now with the interweb and stuff. How hard was it to start the, remotes part of your biz- the remote part of your business? And, and I know you're doing well now. What well, are hiccups along the way?
0: So when you first start building your business, like I always teach about building runway first. So I was taking local clients, doing SEO services. I would meet them in person. I was working out of my apartment. That I was working out of my mom's basement. So I'd meet people at Panera Bread or at Starbucks. They have free internet. I would meet them there. And I would have to meet them once a month. And that was kind of my marketing advantage, right? It's like, oh, a lot of companies are abroad. I'm here in person. You can meet me in person, ask me questions. I'm a real person. When I wanted to get away from that and move, that was like the first hurdle of like, hey, I'm not going to live here anymore. So I lost some clients, but then I just said, oh, I'll just go for only clients that are national anyways. A lot of people don't care, right? Most people don't care. They get on the phone with you once, if you can do the job, then they're happy. Um, The next hurdle is really just figuring out how to handle the responsibility. So a lot of people, if you remember like five or six years ago, there were all these amazing travel blogs, right? Like, oh, I travel the world, I blog about it. And they all went out of business within a couple of months, each other, because each of those people grabbed their laptop, went to Machu Picchu, went to Hawaii, and then they spent all their time doing and no time working. So it's this really big mistake that people make of fastidiousness, right? The reason I'm successful is not because I'm smart. It's not because I'm some internet genius. It's not because I have like brilliant ideas. It's because I'm consistent. I work seven days a week. I have a schedule built out when I work and when I don't work. You know, I get to spend a lot of time with my kids. I get to work from home. I live by the beach. I work on the beach sometimes, but I'm not on the beach right now. I'm at home right? Doing this because it's part of my process. I do a lot of meetings at night because I'm on USA time. I have to do outside my normal time zone. That's part of it. So you have to be able to self-manage. It's the the same thing happens to people who are working part-time and then you make enough money from your side hustle, your home job to quit your daytime job. You go from two hours a day to eight hours a day and your productivity will collapse because you'll say to yourself, oh, I've got eight hours to get this done, right? You no longer feel that time pressure. And so your efficiency really drops down because you start to take longer breaks, get up later. You have to have that self-discipline that keeps the business running. That's the most important thing is that I'm going to work these times. I'm going to work these hours and the schedule. doesn't matter. You find the one that works for you. I worked nights for a really long time and then I switched today because I have kids. So that's part of it. Right. I get up at a certain time. I get up every day at five 45 and get right on the exercise bike. Cause I, if I don't do it first thing, I will, I will not do it. I will not do it in the middle of the day. So I have to do it before I can convince myself to skip a day. Right. So I build in these structures because that's how I have to operate. If I don't have that, it doesn't work. And that's just because i get up early enough that I'm done before the kids get up and are going to school. So I'm available to spend time with them before they go to school. Right. So that's how that schedule is built in just to spend more time with my kids. So, you can choose what your get up time is, what your go to bed time is. You say, how many hours do I need to work per week to run this machine? And you have to look at your efficiencies. For example, I had an office for a while that was near my house. I would go to the office. I was so efficient, but also so depressed because I didn't see the kids all day. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'd rather drop my efficiency to be near the kids. But if I, right here on my desktop setup, right, I have really cool lights. I've got my whole office. I've got everything optimized. I got sound blocking. I got three monitors. I can get a lot done. If I switch to laptop and go sit on the beach, massive drop of what I can accomplish, okay? I know that my efficiency drops down, very distracted by the beach, can't see something because of the glare or the kids want more attention. So there's a balance. You go, oh, how much does my efficiency drop? So there are certain tasks that I, I can do on the beach with the kids and certain tasks I just can't, right? So you have to look at constantly self-assess because you have to manage yourself. Go, Oh, how much does my efficiency drop? certain things, right? Like if I, when I go on vacation with the kids, we went on vacation this summer for a month, I got so little done. It's very hard. It's hard to not be in vacation mindset. You're on your laptop. It's unfamiliar. The chair is not comfortable. So all the things that are kind of part of my rhythm of working were broken. And I know that. So that's built into my planning. So that's really what it's about is going, here's where I'm going to work. Here's what I'm going to work. Here's how I'm going to manage my hours. Here's how I'm going to keep myself productive. Here's how I'm going to keep myself from getting distracted. Here's how I'm going to Eric. correct. that's That's the part no one ever talks about, right? And the second thing, and the next thing no one ever talks about is that like being alone is depressing. You are in a lot of isolation because you go from being around people at work where you can all complain about your boss to suddenly there's no one to talk to. And you have to figure out a plan for dealing with the isolation, which means you join different groups in the same way that when uh, a lot of moms have a baby, then they join those mommy and me groups. That's to be around the other moms. That's where they get some community. So you can join like A local mastermind or a local meetup or some type of local community so you can talk to other people because people who don't do what we do have no understanding. My family, most of my family has no idea what I do. They don't understand it. It doesn't really make sense to them. And a lot of people who, when you go, oh, I work on the computer, they go, oh, what do you do? It used to be they thought you did ringtones and now they think you do crypto. And it's like, I don't do any of that stuff. That's not what I do. I'm not selling NFTs. But People who are in it have the same feelings and you can talk about the real stuff, right? Talk about the loneliness, talk about the challenges, talk about tech stuff and just talk about most people who meet me have no concept of what I do. And that can be very like isolating. So you have to build in a social structure of people who are on the same path as you, because if all of your friends are like, let's go out, but you know, you have to work. That's a pressure against your business. And that's the reason a lot of people that tried to be travel bloggers went out of business, right? They weren't strategic and they weren't ready for that pressure. I mean, honestly, I'm having a good time to you. I'd rather be on the beach. Like, let's be honest. Wouldn't you rather be sitting on the beach too? Like, of course. right? <laughs> the only difference is I could just walk downstairs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I have to create a structure that goes, this is what I do and this is what I don't do. This is when I have free time. This is what I don't. This is how I spend my free time. And create the life that you want. So there is a lot that goes into it that's not really discussed because you When you work for someone else, you put in your 40 hours and you get paid no matter what, right? Even if the business doesn't make money, you have to get paid because that's how it works. We work for yourself. Oh, no. (laughs) If you have a bad week, you don't get paid. So you have to constantly perform. And that means building out structures. And over time, you build out passive income structures where you make money, even if you don't work that week, because things that are on recurring or royalties come in and all that's great. So most of the work I do now, I'm gonna get paid for in two or three months because there's a period between when the money's generated, then you wait for the refund period, and then they pay you. So you have to be three months ahead. So it's easy to go, oh, I've got money for this month, I can relax. But then in three months is when you get hit by that. So all of these are kind of lessons you have to learn that most people, unfortunately, have to learn the hard way because they're caught by surprise. They go, oh my gosh, I have eight hours a day to work on my business. And then they go, I got the same thing i done as last time, right? And they don't realize like, Now you have eight hours, but you're still getting two hours worth of work done. So I have to do a lot of things to stay focused, to stay efficient, to not get distracted. And you have to create a location. For example, I see a lot of people who their laptop is like where they watch movies and where they do work. No way. You have to create a separation. So I would never put a game on my computer. Like to me, that's insane. I wouldn't even connect a PlayStation to this monitor because I go, no, that's a work monitor. I have a TV over there at the PlayStation on it. That's one foot away. <laughs> but I would also never sit in this chair and play a game. Right. To me, that sounds, that like sounds so crazy because this is my office. Now my work, my play area can be three feet away, but it's separate. I sit on the bed and we'll watch a movie, but I wouldn't watch a movie on the computer. So you want to create a location and a time zone and certain things whatever works for you to activate work mode i used to have this friend who would work in public cafes i cannot do that <laughs> okay i cannot deal with that stuff as soon as you get in the zone someone walks up to you or you have to go make another order the waiter walks over or people are making noise and he would work in like um like a almost like it was like a bar and i was like these stools are awful how can you be standing up or sitting on a bar stool with a laptop like how can you possibly do this I worked with him one time. I go, this is the worst thing I've ever experienced. No way. But he was doing it for years every day. Like that worked for him. So whatever works for you, you know, there's all these people that go to Starbucks and sit there all day and write their screenplay. Fine. If that works for you, great. doesn't work for me. I need to be in a place where no one's talking to me, where I'm in the zone because certain tasks require hundred percent of my focus. A lot of tasks require a little bit of focus. But if I'm hundred percent dialed in, if I'm really trying to do something, there's all these moving parts. And I don't want to forget a step. I just want to be in a place where I have total control. I don't want to introduce external factors that can risk hurting my business or outside my control, right? Like we've all been on that date where the waiter walks over, right? When you're going to go for the kiss, and he ruins everything. (laughs) I don't want that happening when I'm working. So that's all of that's part of it. And there are things you do to ensure that your business can run you know, whether if the power goes out, we have a generator, I'm, my computer has a battery. So the computer keeps running for 30 minutes. Even if the power goes out, I have a laptop in case that happens. I can switch everything to battery powered operation in, the, in time and then the generator will run. So this interview was going to happen no matter what. I have two internet connections. I have three backup connections. That stuff you don't have to think about in America, right? Like the internet doesn't go out that often, but here I'm always pre- create these layers of defense. That's just part of the structure. So It is approaching your business like a business and going, okay, what are the things that need to happen for this business to keep running? If I was hiring me to run this business, what would I expect from that person? And that's how you can start to create an infrastructure that works for you.
1: It's all great. That's a great thing right there. Uh, One question from the audience, what's your overhead on a business like this?
0: When you're starting out, $100 a month. So bad. you used to need a lot of money to start a business. Now, basically, probably you can do it for less. Um, because what I started as you need a website. So you got to pay the fee for the website, which is like $10 a year. Then you got to pay hosting, which is 5 or $10 a month. You're going to need something to handle email and a few small things like that. But you don't need to spend money. You What you want to do is spend money from profits. So the way I started, I'll tell you right now, I made my first money I posted. I had a website that was blue letters on a black background. I don't know why I thought of that. It was basically unreadable. It's like two colors that you can't really tell the difference. And I would post ad on Craigslist. I post ads on Craigslist saying, hey, I'll do SEO for you. And I started getting clients within four days, just posting ads. And then I took that money and go, okay, I'm going to go buy a course and learn how to do SEO now that I have a customer. So I teach people now the same thing. Being an AI consultant, here's what you do. Get a customer to pay you and then go, great. And then take that money and go buy my course or buy a training or buy tools. So- I don't even think you need to buy something before you're making money. You can go out, people will pay you to go and do that for them. What do you think IT people do? Most people in IT, you tell them your problem, they're hopping on Google and searching for it, and then they go implement. So that's how tech support actually works. So you can get clients now. You don't need to spend a lot of money. The the reason I have a lot of overhead is just because I've been doing this a long time and I have a lot of tools and software that have kind of been part of my tech stack. And I had a team of 20 people. Now I'm down to two that... We're doing a lot of things that now AI and new tools have replaced, new technologies have replaced. Even now I'm switching right now, all of my website hosting to a new platform. So my old host was $115 a month. So like It needs to be super fast. Now there's a competitor that's $8 a month. that's just as fast. So I'm going through a lot of stress because moving to websites really hard, always something glitches and I always have to deal with that. But In the long term, it will save you money. So, as you grow, you're going to have systems and tools you kind of gotten used to and structures in place. I have to send out emails to my audience. I'm paying like around four or $500 a month for my different email platforms. I've replaced those with a self hosted solution, a solution I'm switching to. It cost me $150 one time for the software. And then I pay, I think, $48 a year for the technology. Now I had to go through a little process. They gave me a lot of training to set it up myself. So that's cutting down my overhead by $6,000 a year, right? As I switch. So you will go up and down in what you spend and which tools work and what tools cost. Right now, there's just a time when all tools are dropping prices. So it's a great time to switch. And a lot of technology has just gotten easier to kind of self-manage. So my business now, for my total overhead, when I'm done with all these transitions, it's going to be under $1,000 a month. Outstanding. Jake, I hope that
1: answers your question. Uh, Ezekiel has jumped in with a question asking, uh, in reference to what you said earlier about email, having AI help you with your email. How does that
0: work? Sure. So let's say you're responding to emails. Um, You can train the AI to sound like you and you say, oh, please write a response to this email. Most of the time we only have 50 or 100 ways we respond to emails, right? We tend to say the same things over and over again. We have certain ways of signing it. So you can take every response you've ever sent, download it from whatever email tool you use, and save it as a document. Upload that document to ChatGPT. You go, okay, here's everything I've ever read. Use this as a reference. And now it has a a great reference data, and you can just respond to emails. And all you do now is just read it. This half the time, right? We're just responding the same way anyway. So this will let you create the response faster. And then you just have to check the response instead of manually typing it. Hmm. So that's how it saves you time. That's one way to do it. If you're talking about marketing emails, what you can say is, and this is, I talk about this a lot in the book, is it's hard to write a marketing email. You say, oh, here's an email for product A. Load that up and say, hey, please rewrite this email for product B and in the style of, and then you just pick any copywriter that's in its database and there's thousands. And you just change the name of the copywriter or the name of the brand until it creates one that you like. Outstanding. I
1: hope that answers your question. And uh, Jake, I know that answered your question. Uh, Jake said thank you for your answer to that question. Uh, Jonathan, how does someone get in contact with you if they want to chat with you just like we are now or just to pick your brain to maybe get their business off the ground?
0: Yeah. You can find everything about me at my website, serve I'm that's my name on every brand. If you Google serve no master, every result is me. You can message me. If you email me, Jonathan at serve I check every email myself. I have an AI help me sort it, but I do all the responses myself. I'm very easy to find. If you want to find me on social media, I'm most I'm on every social media platform. I'm most active on LinkedIn. You can just send a request. I post a lot of content there, a lot of free content a couple times a week. I have newsletters, training videos, all sorts of stuff, loads of free stuff. You don't have to buy anything from me to learn from me. It's no problem, okay? Get off the ground first before you spend any money.
1: Outstanding. Jonathan, thanks again for jumping on with us tonight. I know uh, it's the future where you are now, so you maybe you can tell us some lottery numbers or something if you've seen them come across your screen, help our audience win some money. But uh, It's amazing to talk to people across the across the globe, basically, and uh, and learn so much from you tonight. I know some of our audience was kind of, their mind was blown tonight. They were saying that in the chat. Their mind is blown with the, the things you were saying because they didn't, of course, like we said earlier, fear of AI. The fear of AI is based off what movies and the talking heads on the news tell you about it. But when you have someone that actually uses it for good, like you are, it helps to alleviate some of that fear and make you become successful using it. So thank you for that. And again, thanks for your time tonight.
0: Well, wow, thank you for having me. I had a good time. Awesome, brother. Have a good day. Hi everyone. This is a message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Got a question about your VA benefits, healthcare, or eligibility? Go to VA.gov where you can access a new interactive chatbot to ask questions 24-7. One can still browse VA.gov for information, but you can now ask specific questions to the chat bot, like what's the PACT Act? How do I apply for disability benefits? What's my claim status? You can access the new feature through VA.gov's Contact Us page. Then click on the Start Chat button. The chatbot will continue to improve Veterans' access to information about the benefits and services they've earned. This is one way VA is offering seamless and secure access to its online
1: resources. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. That's themisfitnation.com. Check out all of our past episodes and get some of that great Misfit Nation. Movie. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are this Nation. fit Nation. Misfit Nation.